Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Lisa. And we are Two Sober Chicks with two very special guests. Two Sober Chicks with their besties, actually. That's right. In a hotel room. Not like that. Not those kind of besties. (laughs) So It's a girl's trip. That's right. Vaginas only. Even though we had our first uh, podcast, The Woolly Vaginas. (laughs) We have a new troupe. That'd be a great singing band for punk rock chicks. Yeah. The Woolly Vaginas. Oh my gosh. We digress so much. Um, Yeah, so what we're... Oh, yesterday we had our first podcast live from Akron and we called it Two Sober Chicks and One Dick. Hello, Karen. Welcome to the show again. (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. Karen was really tired and she was laying in her bed and Julie and I were podcasting and right at the beginning, Karen just busted out laughing hysterically and I said, fuck you, I'm leaving that in. Yeah, that's what you get. Yeah, so then she got a whole new title. And Sharon is here as well. Welcome. Thank you. This is your first time on our show. It is. Yeah. I've been feeling a little verklempt and a little left out. (laughs) So you finally made it. Yeah. So four sober chicks. And because it's Bestie's first podcast, she has the onus of um, bringing a topic to the table. All right. So the topic that I thought about that I suggested was how AA gives us the opportunity to be complete strangers in a strange city and make friends in minutes. Because the four of us went to a meeting last night where we had in a city city I've never been to, so definitely a meeting I've never been to, um, Google Maps took us there. We walked into a room and instantly had, you know, 15 friends. People asking us, you know, our names, our phone numbers, where we're from. Oh, can I come see your group when I'm in Toronto? Here, here's my phone number. Would you like to have coffee tomorrow? That happens nowhere in the world. Mm. Yeah. Under any circumstance other than the Fellowship of AA that I'm aware of. And you and uh, Karen both travel a lot. So, Karen, have you had any mm-hmm. other experiences like that where you're abroad somewhere and you walk into a complete different home group and you're welcomed? Or True confessions. When I go away, I, I'm actually what? not going to meet. <gasps> I, oh, I knew I knew it. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm such a bad <laughs> AA. How did you stay sober for 30 years? My God. I only go away for a week at a time. Okay. <laughs> and then after, just as you hit the crazy point, you get I home. I get home, yes. Yeah. Sue says, that's enough. You need a meeting. We're going home. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for you to get back amongst your people. I... It's the first thing I do when I travel is I find out where the A, a meetings Same. are before I leave. But yeah. I love Americans so much that even if I was here for eight hours, I would go to an AA meeting because I need to be around them. And when we walked into the room yesterday, I was like, my people, like this is them. <laughs> yeah. So welcoming, yeah. so friendly. I know that Canadians have a reputation for being friendly, but I honestly think Canadians have nothing on Americans. No. Yeah. Nothing. No. Not an AA I've been to lots of AA meetings in Canadian cities outside of our city, and I've never been welcomed the way we were welcomed last night. Well, it was at, incredible. The, at the Montrose Group in Akron, Ohio, they give you a special traveler chip or a visitor coin. Karen, yeah. what does it say? It says, from Akron, 1935, honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love. And then on the other side is the original picture of the first three. Which is fantastic. Okay, I want to see I if the girl point. who's been around for 30 years knows... Uh, who's the third guy? Uh, is it Fred? That actually sounds right. It is Fred. With Yes, thank you. I get a gold star. You do. <laughs> for years I thought it was Abby Thatcher, and then I was corrected. No, that's not Abby Thatcher. No, Abby. 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 There yeah. you go. Abby. I corrected again. But Abby was the guy who but gave the principles the principal of um, the, the Oxford Steps. group yes. to... 
Yes, which form the basis of our 12 steps. Yeah. Yeah. So he's very integral to our yes. recovery and our yes. story. And those are called the four tenets, right, of the Oxford group. I yeah. believe so. Yes. Because yeah. I remember when you went away, I think when you went to Akron. They have the pamphlets at yeah. Dr. Bob's house, which will be at in less than an hour's time. Yeah, so mm-hmm. if you are listening to this, um, it is, what, 10, no, it's 10 o'clock, almost 10 o'clock, uh, on Thursday, June 26th, and we are headed to Dr. Bob's house for the opening at 11 a.m. Dr. Bob's house is open 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. Is it seven days a week? Daily. Daily. And it's run by volunteers, of which we met Gloria last That's night. That's right. We met again at the friendly Gloria, mm-hmm. welcoming us. She'll be here today. She's looking forward to seeing us. Yep. She's going to do gonna our tour. She's going to give us a tour. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Dr. Bob's house, no, Sharon? Ma'am. No, never been to Akron. Karen? Nope, first time. Okay, so we so, won't tell you. I was going to say, we'll hang back. Yeah, and let you guys go first. Experience the experience. Yeah, because the very I'm first excited. time you go, there's something very special and uh, momentous. Mm. monumentous mm. that happens. It's, I was overwhelmed like even and I brought my desire chip the mm. first time I went and even just looking at the house I was overcome with gratitude that this is where it started like yeah. I get to live this amazing life based on what that guy in that house did and I'm gonna go into his house and see where they did their first third steps and yeah. the table where they poured the mm. coffee and yeah. um, it's really cool too because it's like you travel back in time it's identical mostly Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. the way it was back then so it's really cool to see like a house from the 40s yeah yeah intact and the little stories they'll tell you and it's really cool yeah very exciting I like it and then we can podcast from the swing again yes they have a swing on the front porch and uh, we'll see if anybody comes up and I thought it'd be fun if we were broadcasting in that moment when someone walks up the steps for the first time if they wanted to be interviewed so that happened last year remember and she was crying yeah very overwhelming for her? her No, yeah. I left though. I literally left you on the same yeah. swing and, and went, went to talk to her, her, give her a hug. <laughs> did you know that there are 12 steps up to the house? Exactly? Oh, cool. Mm, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, does anyone else have any experience of going away and meeting people, a, a story to share about, you know, a special moment when you traveled and met somebody? I, like Julie, whenever I travel, I try, to, I, I look up the meetings ahead of time. Um, so I've been to AA meetings all over Australia, um, New Zealand, um, other cities in the U.S., Costa Rica. Um, I tried really hard to find a meeting when we were in Mexico, but I wasn't able to find one. I wasn't able to find a meeting in Cuba. Where else was I not able to? Oh, this is kind of funny. I tried to find one in Istanbul. We were in Istanbul for 10 days, and it's a Muslim country. They don't drink. Oh. So they, there's really, there probably is an AA presence there somewhere, but I wasn't able to find it. And the same with Egypt. I also tried to find meetings in Egypt, and I was unsuccessful. But um, so uh, one of the meetings I went to, this is probably the one that sticks out most in my mind. So I was in a, a town in Australia, and um, I had found the meeting, and uh, my husband drove me there, and it was in a church, and it was kind of a residential neighborhood, and it was... Um, it was dark. It was uh, an 8 p.m. meeting, but it was very dark. And they were having some kind of an electricity problem on that block because all the streetlights were out and all the buildings were dark. And so we got to the church and the church was completely dark. And so there was no electricity. And not only was the church dark, but the members of that group, whoever was responsible for unlocking the church that night was AWOL. 
they couldn't find the person, they didn't have a key, so they couldn't get into the unlit dark church to get their materials. But in true AA fashion, they were like, well, screw this, man. We're going to have a meeting right here. Mm -hmm. So somehow they rustled up candles or used phones or whatever, got some like wooden benches or whatever, and we sat behind the church. And um, I think there were about five of the group members and myself. It was very small. There were like six people. And uh, we had this fabulous meeting. And of course, you know, true AA fashion, I'm getting phone numbers and how long are you here and come to my house for coffee tomorrow. And I was introduced that night to an author. Um, now, am I going to remember his name? Gabor Mate. So Gabor Mate is a really well-known addiction author, mm-hmm. and he's Canadian. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of him before, and I got introduced to him at that meeting in, in Australia. That's cool. Yeah, cool. and I came back, and I bought his books, and I read his books. In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts that's is the, the one, one I have, where he talks about like the west side of uh, Vancouver. Yep. That's the that was the book that the that the woman was talking to me about, and that's the first one I read. But he's read, he's written a couple, so wow, that's yeah. Cool. So that was really cool, and it stays in my mind. And the the woman that I had that conversation with, we're still connected. Mm-hmm. Like we we exchanged phone numbers, and we connected each other to each other on WhatsApp. And I still hear from her once in a while. Yeah, and she still hears from me once in a while. So I mean, that's just the beauty of AA. You yeah. total strangers become friends, and you have this common bond, and it's instant it really is and it's genuine yes it's authentic it's not fake it's not one of those surface things that oh you're friendly because you have this like maybe you're traveling together and you know I've made friends lots of times with people I've met traveling and you're friends with them for a few months after the trip is over but it fizzles Mm -hmm. it fades away and it fizzles because you don't have that common bond anymore yeah but when you meet someone you know that shares this program of recovery that bond seems to sustain I think it's because we live a spiritual program and so we're just open in a certain way and when we meet other people in the same path and they're open, it's like a spiritual bond Mm -hmm. as opposed to we had this great experience together traveling and I really liked you and you really liked me, but there's no real tether there. Well, it's like it talks about in the 12 and 12, it talks about us as being uh, similar to people who survived a traumatic experience like a shipwreck together. You know, we we have, uh, I guess beaten death back we, we've uh, survived uh horrible things and uh we've we understand what each other has gone through because we are alcoholics we may come from completely different backgrounds but it is a is a unique bond mm. you know just to, to uh further on that lisa is is that it's the singleness of purpose i think when we come in there's nowhere in this world that nowhere in this world never mind just an aa meeting elsewhere but even in our own meetings where i come in and i truly want to see the best for you you know and or it doesn't happen at work there's always somebody who wants the job who wants to this it's competing with me or that type of stuff but i walk into an aa room and a hundred percent i want to see you have a good 24 hours to succeed be sober and i can feel it from everyone there so as soon as i walk into a room anywhere that's what it is that singleness of purpose where we're all rooting for each other anywhere I think in the world that happens and <laughs> I, I mean my first experience last night wow it was overwhelming the warmth and the the immediate we have a rapport and I want your good uh, the best for you and I could feel they wanted the best for me in that moment yeah. I don't even get that from my family I don't know about you guys <laughs> <laughs> well and you know what to take that thought one step further one of the things that I always say and I often say this um, when I'm sharing, particularly with newcomers, when I'm when I'm volunteering um, with newcomers, 
one of the things that struck me immediately when I first started going to AA, and understand that I went to AA with zero desire to become part of AA. I mm. went because I, I knew I had to change, I knew I had to do something, and I went into a treatment center and they said, go to AA, and I went, oh, fuck, okay. <laughs> But you know, I, I went without a desire to become part of this fellowship, but the thing that struck me instantly, the first thing I noticed was for the first time in my life experience, anywhere with any organization or any group or anything I had done, here was a room full of people that were just earnestly, sincerely, authentically trying to be better and trying to yeah. help each other to be better. It gives me goosebumps, look, just thinking of yeah. it, because here are these people from diverse backgrounds, diverse walks of life, diverse career paths, and all they're doing is trying to to make this day better and make this life better and to share that with each other. And that completely blew me away. And I guess that's, as you call it, that's that singleness of purpose. But it's just so profound. Ooh. I want to ask you guys, um, uh, and thanks everybody for listening to Two Sober Chicks. We're live in Akron, Ohio today, and we're glad that you're on this journey with us. I'm going to go around the room. I'm going to start with Karen. Uh, speaking of all this stuff, I just thought of the topic of um, a slogan, you are no longer alone. Because I know what effect that had on me, and it wasn't necessarily a good one when I first came in. It's much better now, and I like that slogan, but when I first came in, I still felt alone. And that's not the experience of most other people. So I, I wanted to go around the room and do you want to start first? Or you want... <laughs> oh, you mean I have a choice? You have a choice. Okay. I will no, give you a choice. Fine. So um, before I came to the rooms, I knew I was an alcoholic and I had admitted defeat. And for me, that meant just continue drinking. There was no hope. There was nothing. And what the rooms, by going to the rooms, I found out there was hope. There was an alternative. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when I walked down the stairs, I remember the, the meeting, walking down the stairs and seeing the slogan above the door. There was a, and I, I don't remember which meeting that was. It actually, um, yeah, it was so long ago. But you are no longer alone. And I just was overcome and I started crying, mm -hmm. you know. And for me, it was, I walked into this room of hope mm -hmm. and I wasn't alone in it. And in that moment, I knew that if it could happen for you, it could happen for me, mm. you know? <clears throat> and I believe that wholeheartedly. And maybe that was a first forming for me of a higher power. I knew whatever you'd gone through, I could get there. So um, for me, it was a very warm, I'm no longer with this by myself, there's hope, da-da-da. Yeah, it's my favorite slogan because the first meeting I went to was at a treatment center and I didn't see slogans. It was also a closed meeting. The second meeting I went to was the Parkway Group in Toronto. And it was, obviously I had to walk downstairs, and it was propped up on a, like a little blue kindergartner's chair. Mm -hmm. And I remember just feeling like I believed it. I read the words and I was grateful and I believed it because I was super isolated at the end. Like I remember at four months sober, I saw someone on the internet on their phone and I was like, what are you doing? And they said, I'm, I'm Googling something. I'm like, from your phone? And they looked at me like I was crazy. This was like eight years ago. <laughs> I was so isolated from people, places, and things that I didn't even know what was going on around the world. So yeah. to see that meant so much because a lot of my drinking came from deep, deep loneliness and mm -hmm. isolation. So to see that, that's why it's my favorite one because that was where the first hope came from for me too. Isn't the Parkway Group in the West End of Toronto? Yeah, they've switched yeah. now. They're I was not a there member anymore. there. You 
were. I was. I'm like, you. that was the first group you Eight went years to. ago, yeah. I was a member there. Yeah. I wonder if it was, I'll have to think about back when it was the same, if it was the same time. Yeah, sure. it was at Victoria Park in 401. No, okay, yeah, no. No. Is, right? no, they've changed from there, but when I went, it was Victoria Park in 401. Now they've moved right. to another location. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a different group then, because that was the east, Victoria Park in 401. Yeah, I'm talking like easy. West End, <laughs> like past High Park. No, no, that oh. wasn't okay. Parkway. All right. So sure. you you are no longer alone. I think when I first saw that, it pissed me off because <laughs> I wanted to be alone. Thank God I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not it, initially. I didn't want to be welcomed by this fellowship. Mm-hmm. I didn't want sobriety. I wanted the monkey off my back, and I wanted change. Mm-hmm. But I wanted the change to be everyone else because I was that person that it was everyone else's fault. I drink because you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. I drink because you're a shitty boss. I drink because I hate you, you. I hate the job that you have created for me, mm-hmm. right? So this, you're no longer alone for me. I was like, ah, please. And, and like I said, when I came into the fellowship of AA, I didn't want fellowship. I didn't want friends. I used to look at the people who were friends, who were chatting before the meeting and laughing, you know, just this bold, you know, belly laughs and the and the warmth among them and I hated it I didn't want it I was like oh I'll never be one of them <laughs> so it took a long time before you are no longer alone longer alone started to resonate with me and um, I guess when it did was when I started to see the authenticity of those relationships and those belly laughs and I started to make friends mm-hmm. my first one really being Julie here mm-hmm. um, and then really through Julie I started to make other friends I was going to St. Clement's before you joined St. Clement's, but I wasn't making friends. Yeah, and that's why I said earlier that these people in the in the U.S. at these groups to me were more welcoming. Cause I went in, I always wore a hoodie. I had the hoodie over my head. I had my hair in front of my face. I had my face down like this, and I went to the very back and I sat in the very back by myself and I didn't talk to anybody and nobody talked to me. Mm-hmm. So it was a long time before that slogan really started to shift for me. And I'd say it was probably six to 12 months into sobriety and then when I finally started to you know open up and I realize now in hindsight I wasn't approachable you know and again but the mindset at the time was it was everybody else's fault Mm -hmm. what a bunch of assholes they're not talking to me they're supposed to talk to me they're supposed to welcome me why aren't they yeah meanwhile I was walking in like (laughs) stay away (laughs) stay away right (laughs) yep so. No, I agree, and uh, and I think that just basically sums up what I was going to say, too. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> about um, it's nice to know that it's other people have that feeling, too. So you are no longer alone. I would see that slogan, and I'd be like, well, that's not fucking true. Yeah. And I would judge people. Mm, and yeah. so I think the importance, if you are new and you are listening and that slogan rubs you the wrong way, please, I hope that you hear this. You are no longer alone starts with you. It doesn't start with them. Mm. Uh, And that's what I would sit there and wait for. And it only took you six to 12 months. I think it took me six years to figure that out. Um, You know, I had my sponsor and that was pretty much it. And I was going in and I was doing service, but then I was getting the fuck out as quick as I could. I wasn't showing up early. I didn't really want to have relationships with people outside because I still wasn't 100% in. And until you make that step three decision about being 100% in and I'm going to do this and now I'm going to take action and I'm going to do work, until I started to work the steps fully, um, then you are no longer alone meant shit to me. We go to another meeting where they read that, uh, what's what's the poem called? 
I'm a, I'm a newcomer. Oh, that one, yes. <laughs> Where it talk, and all I hear when I hear that is my old self and the self pity. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the newcomer, and you guys are the old timers, and all you have to do is come across the room and say hello. And so for me, it's like pity, 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 pity. But I do also now look at it in a different way and think it is a good reminder for if there's a clique in your AA group, and all you do is talk to the people that you know, then I think you need to shake it up a little bit and walk across the room. And we always need to be introducing ourselves to newcomers. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I think the best um, you are no longer alone slogan interpretation I ever heard was a guy that came to our group. And he said that to him was like a horror movie. It wasn't like, you're no longer alone. It was, you're no longer alone. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, another way I envision that slogan is, what the fuck, I've never been alone. You know the committee that I have in my head? Mm-hmm. It's not a fun party yes. going on up there. Yes. I have never been alone in my own thoughts. There's like my mother and teachers and people who are constantly judging me. They're all up in there having a party without me, hating me. Um, yeah, that was a good, I think that was a good little discussion, a good topic. Karen and Sharon, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks for being for our besties. Yeah. yeah. This thanks. has been a fun trip. It's thanks amazing. for letting us join you. Yeah, it has been a fun trip. Yeah. And now we're going to go to Dr. Bob's house and we're going to do this again in another like 20 minutes. We're going to broadcast live from Dr. Bob's house. So please cool. join us again there soon. Thanks a lot for uh, listening to Two Sober Chicks. As always, message us on Instagram, Facebook, drop us an email at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Very much so. Um, oh, we have emails to talk about on another podcast, too. We sure do. Oh, some Been exciting. some really good yeah. ones. Netherlands. Was it Tom from mm-hmm. Netherlands? That's and, right. Oh, so many good stuff. So, good things to talk about. Thanks again, everybody. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. Have a great 24.